You're listening to TIP. Welcome to the Money Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Clay Fink. And today is another release of our mini episode series that we send out to you all every Saturday. This is the episode where it is just me diving into a specific topic to help you become a better investor. With that, let's dive right in. You're listening to Millennial Investing by the Investors Podcast Network, where your hosts, Robert Leonard and Clay Fink, interview successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire the millennial generation. I recently interviewed Scott Nations, who wrote this really good book called The Anxious Investor. My conversation with Scott is going to be released this coming Thursday, and I highly recommend checking out that conversation once it is released. So keep an eye out for that. If you subscribe to the Millennial Investing Podcast, you can get notified when these episodes are released so you can stay on top of the great content Robert and I are continually putting out. In Scott's book, he covers stock market bubbles and crashes, but he also talks a lot about investor biases, which is what I wanted to cover during this episode. Investor biases are common human cognitive or psychological biases that often lead to poor decisions and investment mistakes. All of us are likely susceptible to making some of these mistakes in our own portfolios, so it's really good to be aware of what biases we might fall prey to. These biases are oftentimes hardwired into us and can lead us to really simplifying really complex investment decisions. So understanding these biases can help us make better investment decisions, which can then lead to higher risk-adjusted returns over the long run. The first bias that Scott walks through in his book in chapter four is status quo bias. The status quo bias is the irrational tendency to prefer choices that maintain the status quo, even when other choices leave us better off. Most people feel pretty uncomfortable straying away from the crowd or what others are doing because our natural tribal instinct is to fit in because if we stand out from the crowd, then we risk being ostracized from the group. But this isn't really the way that society really operates anymore as you don't need to necessarily fit in with the group to survive necessarily. But our underlying instincts haven't really changed. So this bias still exists deep within us. To have the ability to stray from the crowd, you need to have a process for analyzing, understanding, and comparing the alternatives. If you don't fully understand the investment choices you have at hand, then you aren't able to make an educated decision. For example, if a financial advisor told someone in their 20s that they should be invested in a diversified 60-40 stock bond portfolio, they may just say, okay, That's what I'll do because it's likely that others in the same position as me probably follow the advisor's recommendation. When in reality, it might actually be wiser for this person to be 100% invested in stocks because of the long time horizon they have ahead of them and their ability to take on a bit more risk. During these mini episodes, I've talked a lot about how most people should have the majority of their money in an index fund. For someone that is younger or a millennial, this might be difficult for someone to do. There are many people on Twitter talking about individual stocks and trading in and out of things such as cryptocurrencies and individual stocks, or many of our friends might be doing that. So for you to have most of your money in index funds might be your way of straying away from the crowd as a lot of people in that environment just 
don't take that approach because it might seem boring or it might seem uninteresting, even though it's likely that even with all this trading in and out of individual stocks and crypto, they'll likely underperform a simple S&P 500 or a simple investment approach. The next bias that Scott covers in his book is the disposition effect. The disposition effect is the tendency to defer regret by holding on to losers and to avoid being greedy by selling our winners. Even worse, it would be to sell your winners to allocate to your losers, and you eventually end up with a portfolio full of bad companies. As Scott put it, the most powerful element in investing is time, and you're wasting it by sticking with an investment that isn't working, end quote. To keep yourself from falling prey to the disposition effect, Scott recommends sticking to index funds as you won't be allowed to mess around with your portfolio allocation within the funds. It does all the rebalancing for you automatically. To me, this is one of the most difficult biases to overcome. On the one hand, I could see that a particular stock or asset class might seem to be overheated. So I could see the case to sell your winners to rebalance to some other positions. Additionally, the best performing investments tend to be the most volatile. So I can see why selling when it is overheated and there's a bit of irrational exuberance can help you sleep better at night because eventually there will be a big drawdown. You just really don't know when. On the other hand, if you're holding a really good company that you really like, it's oftentimes wise to hold on to it and just let it compound over time. Given this, I think the disposition effect is just one of the really difficult biases to overcome and just really grapple with in your investment approach. The third investment bias I wanted to touch on during this episode was overconfidence. Overconfidence can lead us to making some really simplified and dangerous assumptions and investments. This is why bubbles occur. People see that a stock has doubled over the past, say, three months. So they think that that trend must continue and they think it's very likely to continue. Then they're very confident in that assumption. Overconfidence can lead investors to taking on leverage, and that's almost never a good idea. It can lead us to not being as diversified as we might should be, or it could lead us to having a high allocation to investments that are very risky. Many people oversimplify investing when in reality, the economy and the financial system are extremely complex. And it can be dangerous to assume that you need to overallocate towards one particular stock or asset class because you know so much more and understand the world better than anyone else when in reality, it's probably not actually the case. The fourth bias I wanted to cover is loss aversion. Loss aversion is the human tendency to dislike losses to a greater degree than we like gains. This bias also ties into the disposition effect, which I mentioned earlier, in that many people tend to hold on to their losers because you don't really lose money until you actually sell your position. So if you hold on to a losing company, you might still be hoping that eventually it will get back to where you bought it at. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Patrick, your host of Millennial Investing. Every year, my buddies and I do a guy's trip to escape the cold and dreary Ohio winters. Once we pick our destination, without fail, we all jump on Airbnb and find an incredible place to stay. We just got back from an amazing trip in Palm Springs, California, and our Airbnb home was a huge part of creating memories we'll never forget. I loved it so much, I'm taking my family back to Palm Springs for spring break and we're staying in an Airbnb home my kids fell in love with and picked out themselves. 
While I was there, I had the realization that my own home could be an Airbnb. It's an excellent way to earn some extra cash, whether you're saving up for your next vacation, paying off some bills, or investing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGPT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only does the research and analysis for you, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Well, wonder no more. Meet Meka, your AI-powered stock research assistant, now enhanced with real-time stock data. Let Meka do the heavy lifting for you to significantly reduce your research time. And the best part, Meka is 100% free. Ask Meka questions like, explore the financial health of Apple through a summary of its balance sheet. Compare the financial statements of Apple and Tesla. What is the analyst price target for Microsoft? What is the social sentiment analysis of Amazon and millions of other queries right at your fingertips? Visit Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A.com. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash millennial investing. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. All right. Back to the show. I think that loss aversion also keeps people from investing in the stock market overall. Even though you're very likely to make money in stocks if you have a five to 10 year time horizon, many people look at what happened in 2000 or 2008 and think that they can't afford to lose over 30 or 40% of their money in stocks. So they end up holding something that is perceived as much safer, such as bonds or cash, even though they could have made much more money just continually buying and holding stocks. It's important to remember that there will always be many days or even months when the stock market is down. But when you look at the data, the stock market is up 87% of the time when it's held for a five-year period. The overall stock market's up 94% of the time when held for a 10-year time period. As you extend your time horizon, you increase your chances of making money in stocks. Even when looking at just a one-year period, stocks increase 74% of the time. But when you zoom into a single day, stocks are only up 53% of the time. So it's essentially a coin flip or a total gamble when you're just investing for one day. So down days and down weeks are really to be expected, and they're really pretty common. And you know, occasionally losing money in the stock market is expected. You know, losing in quotes as you really don't lose money until you sell, but When you hold stocks for a really long period of time, it's likely you will end up making a good return on your investment and at least get your investment back. I think loss aversion also plays into stock market crashes as well. Take the COVID crash, for example. On February 19th, 2020, the S&P 500 topped out at around $3,380. On March 23rd, 2020, the S&P 500 hit roughly $2,200. This is a 35% drop in just over one month. 
Think about what it would have been like to have, say, $500,000 in your retirement account, and you log in on March 23rd, and it's down at $325,000. And on top of that, you have this new virus that we really don't know anything about. People are starting to die from it. Everyone's getting sent home from work to work from home. Schools are shutting down. We're being told to stay in our house and not get together with others. For someone that doesn't know about a ton about investing, losing nearly $200,000 in a month really hurts. And in fact, it, it could hurt so bad that this person just wants the pain to stop and avoid any further pain from occurring. They might actually sell their positions because COVID is going to potentially just totally wreck our economy. This is what happened to some investors because they got too emotional in their decision making and failed to see the big picture and extend their time horizons to say five or 10 plus years. The last bias I wanted to touch on during this episode is anchoring. Anchoring is this idea that the price of a stock or an asset influences your judgment on what you believe an asset is worth. Say you are house shopping and you come across a house you're interested in that has a listing price of $300,000. In order to feel like you got a good deal, you might want to offer $270,000, which is a 10% discount off the asking price. If you do end up paying $270,000, you may feel like you got a great deal. I mean, it was 10% below the asking price, right? But what if a similar house across the street sold for $200,000 the month prior? Well, even though you paid less than the asking price, you may end up paying well above what the house is actually worth. This is why your realtor might run comps and look at similar sales in the past few months to determine what the home is actually worth and not just consider the asking price and anchor on that price. I think so many investors fall into this trap of anchoring. They might buy Tesla's stock at, say, $1,000 per share. And if it drops to $600, they'll tell themselves, oh, the stock was just trading for $1,000. It's likely that it'll get back to that point in the future when really many stocks that pull back substantially may never recover. The market does not know and the market does not care what price you paid for the company. And I'm not saying that Tesla is never going to go back to $1,000 per share. I'm just using it as an example, as many of these high growth companies are down 70, 80, 90%. And many of them may never get back to the high prices they were at just one or two years ago. This reminds me of Warren Buffett and his big emphasis on calculating the intrinsic value of a stock. When Buffett researches a company, he really doesn't pay much attention to what the stock is trading for in terms of its price. He'll read the financial reports and come up with a conservative estimate of what he thinks the company is worth. And then he might check the stock price to see if it's trading at a price well under what he thinks it's worth. Here's a quote I pulled from Scott Nations related to anchoring. The tool for overcoming anchoring is to forget your purchase price and remember that every stock is worth only what the market says it is in that moment. What you paid six months ago or two years ago is irrelevant other than for tax purposes. Then ask yourself what you think the stock will be in the future based on a time frame that makes sense for you and why you think it will be there. It's impossible to know, but if you have a solid fundamental response about other investors overreacting and selling the stock down because of a disappointing earnings report, then hang on. If your answer has to do with where the stock has been, you're not thinking productively. 
I didn't cover all the biases that Scott Nations did in his book, but these were the most important five that I found. And many of them are interrelated in some way. All right, that's all I had for today's episode. Be sure to check out Scott's book, The Anxious Investor, if you're interested in looking back at history and applying the lessons he lays out in his book on the behavioral side of investing. Also, be sure to check out my episode with Scott that's coming out this Thursday. You can click subscribe on your podcast feed so you can get automatically notified when that episode gets released on Thursday. I will link the book in the show notes for those who are interested as well. If you guys have any questions related to anything I discussed during this episode, feel free to reach out to me. My email is clay at theinvestorspodcast.com. And on Twitter, my username is at clay underscore fink. That's C-L-A-Y underscore F-I-N-C-K. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to TIP. Make sure to subscribe to We Study Billionaires by the Investors Podcast Network. Every Wednesday, we teach you about Bitcoin and every Saturday, we study billionaires and the financial markets. To access our show notes, transcripts or courses, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.